many had a wonderful Christmas? How many feel like they just need to keep having Christmas? Did anyone have any post-holiday blues? Nobody? You were lying. I know you did a little bit. I did. I woke up on the 26th, and I'm like, Christmas is over. We got a whole nother year to go. Um, And then I saw a funny video on Facebook, and then the, the blues just went away. Oh, thank God for social media. Well, we're glad that you're here this morning, and I know you're going to be blessed, and I know you've already been blessed, Uh, but if you would open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter, uh, I don't even know, just open it up wherever the Holy Spirit leads you, (laughs) Matthew chapter 6, I really did know, I was just kidding, some people think like, does he even know what he's going to preach on? So open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read uh, verses uh, 5 through 7 in the New International Version in just a minute. Thank you, Lord. I want to talk to you uh, as, as we are in our last service of 2015. Can we just thank God for 2015? Come on. How many just had an awesome year? I don't know about you, but as a church, I, I feel like the Lord has really uh, done a lot in our midst. And, and you know, uh, Christmas Day, we, we do what we normally do. We get up and uh, in our pajamas that my wife gets all of us on the 24th, and we all have to wear our pajamas, and we have to pose for pictures and all this stuff. And, uh, so annoying. no, I'm just kidding. But we we get up, and, we're wa- and the kids are unwrapping their gifts, and and I don't look forward to gifts like I did when I was a kid. But how many of you remember when you're little, it's like, yeah, presents. You know, like you're, that's just what your heart is set on. And, uh, and I'm watching my gifts unfold. And, or I'm watching my, uh, my kids unwrap gifts. And then my heart remembers. I remember. I thought, oh, I remember when I was little. And I remember the joy of those moments. And, and then I thought, man, it's just a blessing to watch all my kids be blessed and unwrap their presents and, um, and, you know, without exalting consumerism and all that stuff, just just really acknowledging the character of God and generosity and, and that he gave his son. And so we get to give and we get to bless people. And Christmas Eve, we had a wonderful service. Who was here Christmas Eve? It was such an awesome time. And uh, we got to bless some people and give away some toys. And it was just, it was supernatural. And uh, But I, I was thinking about, my wife afterwards, like at the end of Christmas Day, she's like, I didn't get any pictures. And so it's like one of those moments. Now, those of you that have an Instagram account and you post every meal and every place you go, Robin Millie, I'm not mentioning any names, but <clears throat> there's some others in the room, but I won't mention her name, Brooke Anderson. I don't even know if she's here, but there's some people that post everything. And, uh, and, but my wife forgot to take some pictures on Christmas Day. And, so, and, I, and I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about the, the year of 2015, and I was thinking about some mental images or some hard impressions that really affected me in the last year. And one of them, let me just say this, is as a church, it's such a blessing to watch the body of Christ rise up and people mature in who they are and every part do its share. And us moving into this building was such a huge step of faith. How many can just look back and say, God, you're good. Thank you, Lord. And I just want to thank all those that are partnered with the ministry and all the church members. And, and, uh, and then I also thought about something at the end of the year, which leads me to what I want to talk to you about a little bit this morning. And that is when we started doing 
in the month of November, we did uh, Burn 15. How many remember that? And we did what it is, is just a 15-minute, we did a 15-minute pre-service corporate time of prayer right here before service. So it was from 9.30 to 9.45. And, uh, and those of you that joined us, I'm sure that you recognized kind of like the kindred fire, just the, something just stirred. And, and I don't know about you, but I've always been somebody who, I love prayer. I love, uh, I love praying with people. I love communion with God. Um, and, and there's some things, I, I'll be honest, I don't like about prayer. Some things are, you know, when, when prayers are boring, I don't like them. <laughs> Hello? Can I just be honest with you? I mean, if we're honest in church, I think we do a lot better and we mature a lot more. And, and you know, my wife is so honest. Sometimes, you know, I have to go home at 9 because after 9 o'clock her filter leaves and then she says what everyone else is thinking. And so sometimes that's healthy, though. Like, let's just, let's just be honest. Some things that I don't like about prayer and, and so this morning I want to talk to you about prayer, but I was reflecting on Burn 15, and I feel like it was a momentum and a, uh, a stirring for our body, and something kind of picked us up and put us into, or put us on track, so to speak. Uh, when we started the church, we did pre-service prayer every Sunday morning, and uh, those of you that were with us when we used to do that, raise your hand, probably just a handful. We used to do pre-service prayer, uh, we would meet at an elementary school, and we would pray, and it was before church, and some new visitors would walk in and we were praying. Um, and, uh, and it was awesome. But I want to talk to you about the subject of prayer this morning. Are you ready for that? So open your Bibles to Matthew chapter six. And <clears throat> to a degree, I believe that the, uh, the year of 2016 as a church, God is calling us to step into uh, some good times of prayer, uh, but also not just more time praying per se, but that our prayers uh, would be alive and passionate. And, and so that's what I want to talk to you about. And I, w- I want you, and I was praying for every single one of you this morning in my office, praying. I, I have a picture on my, on my computer of the church. One time I took a picture when everybody was worshiping and most, most everybody had their eyes closed. And I see some of your faces, some of you have the same seat that you sit in every single Sunday. And so I look at you and I get God's heart for you. And I was praying that you... Uh, that your eyes and your heart are open and that you grab a hold of a revelation of prayer that you never had before and you grab a hold of a fire that maybe uh, you lost or maybe a fresh fire or an increased passion for prayer. How many does that sound good to? Come on, somebody. <clears throat> prayer is important. Jesus prayed a lot, um, but he, he didn't do the public prayers that we usually do today. He would just spend time with God. He communed with God. He would often depart by himself and just spend time with God. Um, and, uh, and so I want to talk to you about prayer. And Jesus did talk about prayer. And this is some of the, the scripture we're going to read together. So you put that up there, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, and let's just read these few verses, uh, verses 5 through 7. Go ahead and put it up, up top there. All right. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. That's a good word right there. Amen. Look at the person next to you. Say, don't be like the hypocrites. You know you've been wanting to say that for like two years. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues. That's kind of like standing in the church. You know, that's like where they gathered. Uh, And and standing uh, on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Next verse. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father, Papa, Daddy, who is unseen. 
Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. One translation says, will reward you openly. Verse 7, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Can you say amen? It's interesting to me that Jesus never rebuked short prayers, but he did rebuke long prayers. Now just let that settle in your Christianity for a minute. Just let it settle in your practice. Because it seems to me like most of us like to pray really long prayers. You know the guy or the gal, don't look at them if they're next to you or near you. But when it's time to pray over the food on Christmas or any time, they all of a sudden develop a heart for the nations of the world. And we need to stop and travail for Africa or stop and travail for China. And it seems like we've even developed our cultural things to help us in these habits, the things we don't like, but we don't want to look like we're, we're, we're bored by somebody's prayer, right? Even though we really are. Hello? Can we be honest? We're in church. And we've developed what I call sneaky prayer postures. It's, we look like we're praying. Yes, Lord. But really, we could fall asleep at any moment. And we're actually catching a little shut-eye. You do it when you soak. We've got pillows in here. You know, we soak. Oh, I'm just snoking, soaking in the Lord. Snoring in the, I mean, soaking in the Lord. And uh, I, I, I've fallen asleep in prayer meetings, so there's no condemnation. But Jesus, in Matthew 6, rebuked a religious spirit that likes to pray publicly and go on and on and on and on and on. It's interesting to me that it isn't about the length of a prayer, but it's more about the life of a prayer. Now, you could have a prayer life, but your prayers might be a little dim or dead. And so the life of your prayer is not the length of your prayer, but the passion of your prayer. And, and I want you to, to grab a hold of this as we step into new, new year and we have more prayer gatherings. We're starting a Wednesday prayer service at 5 in the morning. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Some of you are like, God's not even up that early. What, what's going on, Pastor? I know. I agree with you. That reminds me, you know, some people, it, there's this phrase, you know, prayer changes, prayer changes things. And some people know prayer changes us to go change things. And I kind of believe both of those things. But when God wakes someone up at 3 in the morning, if that's to change me, that can wait till 8 a.m. Amen? Can I hear an amen, Rochelle? Right on the front row there. But as we step into this, I pray that you would grab a hold that your, your prayers don't have to be long to be effective. They have to be full of life. They have to be alive. And the spirit of prayer is not the length of the prayer, but the passion of a prayer, the heart motive of a prayer, not to be seen, not to be heard. And, um, and so Jesus never rebuked short prayers. I'm so blessed by that. Reflecting on the scripture that I don't have to, and, and so some of you, we had the burn 15, and, uh, and we're going to continue to do stuff like that, and we're going to do a Wednesday prayer service, not at 5 a.m., but at 9 a.m., we're going to do it right here, and, uh, and some people come Wednesday to serve, you know, Allison and Stephen, they come and they, they clean uh, the church, and, and so, and some of our staff is here, and so we're going to pray at 9 a.m., and we're going to take an hour, and we're just going to pray, 
Um, and, and sometimes we might, might not take it a whole hour. We're not going to be routine or, or religious about it, but we're going to set our hearts on the Lord. How many, does that sound like fun? You like to pray? So we're going to be stepping into some practical areas of we're going to pray. And we have other uh, community groups that pray and uh, have prayer gatherings. Uh, Pastor Kevin and his wife have a uh, prayer gathering and a fellowship gathering every Friday night at their house. And, uh, and so join in and plug into this, but capture what prayer is and unlearn what prayer isn't. Can I hear you say amen? Now, I want to show you something funny. Would you put that picture up real quick? This is great. Now, it, it reminds me of the scripture that, uh, that Jesus, or, or the scripture we just read that Jesus said here. <clears throat> I don't know if you can read it, but let me read it to you. Emily, wife, could you just, just pick up some milk? Emily, wife. While you're at the store, just go ahead, Emily wife, and just go to the, the milk section, Emily. Just grab some milk, Emily. Just, just place it right in your cart, wife. Emily wife, just thank you, Emily wife. Now, how many think, if I talk to Rochelle like that, you think he's got problems? Like, not only does he need encounter freedom, but he needs some therapy. Some people need both. Come on. And you'd be like, Jesus, help him. He's got demons. The prayer team, Jeff, all y'all would be all over me. Rob and Millie, they'd be like rebuking the devil. But how many know that if you translate this over to prayer, we kind of do the same thing in prayer. Father God, Lord God, would you just, 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 Lord God. And we're trying to fill in the gaps instead of, and, and so I want you to get this, that that is just learned behavior. And we learn the culture and we hear what someone else does. And it's like we feel like if we have many words, either God's going to hear us. If we pray longer, God's going to respond. But really, that's not the case. Can I hear you say amen? And so that's just a nice little comical thing for you. Millie sent that to Rochelle recently, so I had to to ask her. I said, will you uh, send me that thing Millie sent you about a week ago? And it took her about 10 minutes because Millie sends her memes constantly. I'll look over at my wife, and my wife's laughing. I'm like, Millie's texting you, right? She's like, yeah. <laughs> so I want you to cap- capture the spirit of prayer. It's, it's not the length of your prayer. It's not, you know, it, that meme kind of reminds me of, uh, it reminds me of how we, we do things as far as like our Christian, you know, discipleship or our walk with the Lord. I heard this recently that, you know, sometimes we don't know the difference between discipleship and memorizing. It's like Jesus said in Matthew 28, go make disciples. He said, go make disciples, not just converts, make disciples, which means you need to build relationship, which that helps with our evangelism. Like we, we don't just want to get in someone's face and say, pray the prayer or you're going to burn forever. How about we get to know them and love them, and get to know their hearts and invite them to the table. Come on, somebody and bring Jesus to them and and heal them, and I mean, with, with the love of God. And so, you know, in the same realm, sometimes it's like, you know, God says, God says, you know, go make disciples. And so we'll memorize the verse. And that'd be like the same thing. I'm going to tell my son, hey, David, do me a favor. Go take out the trash, okay? Oh, right away, Dad, no problem. And then he goes outside. Then he comes back. He doesn't take the trash out, but he's like, my dad said, take out the trash. I memorized it, Dad. See? Isn't that awesome? Come on, somebody. We do the same thing. Like God says to do something, and we think memorizing is the same thing as doing it. Come on, somebody. It's not the same thing as doing it. Doing it is doing it, not memorizing it. How many verses have we memorized versus how many have we just got inside of our heart and began to just walk out because the living Christ within us is bringing forth the fruit of the Holy Spirit? It's the same thing in our prayer life. 
We've got to unlearn the Father God, Lord God, would you just, 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 just. I mean, it's kind of dysfunctional in the babbling. In the, it's a religious spirit. And another thing is this. Another thing is this is we've, we've got to unlearn the bow your heads and close your eyes. Now, I understand that there is a reverence and there's a tradition behind that. But when I look at the life of Jesus, you know what he did when he prayed? He looked up to heaven. Matter of fact, I, I recall one of the most powerful miracles in the life of Jesus is when he raised Lazarus from the dead because Lazarus had been dead four days. Now, that was a messianic miracle. That was expected by the Jews that were believing in the rabbi because they believed that the spirit and soul would be nearby the body for three days. But after three days, it was gone in the afterlife. But Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, and he was dead four days. Now, here was his prayer. He looked up to heaven. First of all, he didn't look down somberly like afraid to look at Papa God. But he looked up and he addressed God not as creator of all the earth, thou us. He didn't pray in King James. Amen. He looked up to heaven and he said, Father. Now his mother tongue was Aramaic. So he most likely said, Abba, which is a, a reverent yet endearment form of addressing God. In other words, you can, dress, you, you can address the creator of the universe as saying, Papa, and he says, Father, I thank you that you hear my prayers. That's all he prayed to do one of the greatest miracles. And guess what he said? Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes out of the tomb with his grave clothes all stinky. Isn't that amazing? It wasn't this long prayer. It wasn't this long, and he raised the dead. So Jesus rebuked long religious prayers, and he taught us to pray with a heart of simplicity and honoring and God as our Papa. And you read it as you keep reading that those verses, he goes into the Lord's Prayer. And that leads me to the other thing I want to talk to you about. If you, you could turn over to uh, the other verse that we have, in James chapter 5, verse 16, that your prayer is not, your prayer life is not determined by length, but by your passion, but by your heart. By the posturing of your heart, you can be in a room praying with people and not want to be there. And, you know, and, and let me just say this, that a lot of times because our concept of God, I'm going to touch on this before I read this verse, uh, but you can leave it up there. A lot of times we don't want to pray because we think that for some reason, the only reason we pray is so that it changes us and shapes us and we're only merely acknowledging God's sovereign will. But I want you to understand something, that God is a relational being that is revealed in the scripture to be close and in time with us. It doesn't mean he lives outside of time or in time. It doesn't mean one or the other. The the Bible never says that God lives outside of time, by the way. That comes from a Greek philosophical concept of God. I don't believe God is limited by time, but in the scripture, he's revealed in time with us. Can I hear you say amen? So it's interesting to me, though, that sometimes our... Our, our passion and fire for prayer can be stifled because we think that it doesn't matter whether we pray or not. Like it's still going to happen whether or not we pray. How many have ever thought that? And we've, we could even, you know, use the phrase, well, God is in control. Well, how many know there's a big difference? And some of you have heard me teach on this a little bit. There's a big difference between God being in charge and God being in control. Because a Greek philosophical concept of God a reformed view of God that was heavily emphasized by St. Augustine in the 4th and 5th century and re-emphasized and blown out of proportion by the reformed theology 500 years ago 
It's a concept that God exhaustively puppeteers and controls everything in the universe and in the world. Now, that is not the God revealed in Scripture because Jesus says right after this, pray, Father, your will be done, your kingdom come. Now, that is so, that's so profound and simple to me that if God's will was being done, why would Jesus tell us to pray, God's will be done? Hello? So let that ignite your passion to pray that your prayers make a difference. That your prayers, not in length, but in life and in passion, your prayers actually do things. It's wired in creation. Your communion with God somehow affects things around the world. You could be praying for somebody. You could be praying for the church in China. Just don't do it at Grace at the dinner table when you're eating with me because sometimes I get hungry and you don't want to see me grumpy. But you could be interceding for the nations and things are happening in the spirit realm. Angels are just waiting for you to speak and begin to move because you're declaring the voice of his word and they're running and, and carrying it out in the spirit realm. And so you're praying. Listen, the reason we pray is because we're called to pray and prayer does change things. And we don't just pray because we're begging God, but we're communing with him and we're beseeching and we're saying, Father, would you, you know, we're asking God for things and we're asking our daddy to move and to do things in the earth. And we're also walking uh, in the authority we have to make declarations, prophetic declarations over our cities, over our communities. You know, if we start praying and calling in the prodigal sons and daughters, we will not have enough room. This building is pretty full. If we begin to do that for the next three months, I'm telling you, I'm prophetically decreeing if we capture the spirit of prayer and we only, let's just pray prodigal sons and daughters, come home. We're going to need to add a Saturday night service pretty quick. And we're going to need to love more people and pastor more people and disciple more people because God has called us to pray. But that doesn't mean we pray long, boring prayers. It means we pray living prayers, prayers that come out of our heart. I'd much rather hear prayer that is just full of life and passion, that's fumbly in the words and, you know, kind of like the way I'm talking right now, but rather than some eloquent prayer unto the divine one creator of the universe, glory to God forevermore. I would much rather hear a prayer, a real prayer. Come on, somebody. A real prayer. You know, it it reminds me of sometimes the uh, uh, social media you know, pages that you have for, for, you know, fan pages for different people. Sometimes it's not the real person. It could be a marketing person that's hired for them or it's someone else trying to be them, representing them. And sometimes it's somebody trying to be them to try to get money and they're deceptive. But sometimes it reminds me of that. Like, I want the real deal. So when we pray, let's not put our social media face on. Let's, let's, let's let open our hearts and, and let our passion come out and even our frustration sometimes in prayer. Hello? Like, God, I've been waiting for this, and, and I'm, I'm, I really want to see this happen now, you know? Like, God would much rather have real, real prayers than, than the facade, the religious facade of babbling and trying to pray. I mean, you ever, you ever been in a prayer meeting and someone's praying, and, and they're really talking to the people in the room? They're not really talking to God? And they want everyone in the room to know how much Scripture they have memorized? So, like, God doesn't know His Word. I mean, I believe in praying the Scripture, but, you know, it's like, like you said in your word, Lord, in Ephesians chapter 5. And it's like, really, dude? Come on. Like, I really need to hear all. Just talk to God. Like, it's one thing to make a declaration of the word. Come on. But who are we talking to? 
So when we get down to the real deal, it's about the passion of our hearts. It's about the desire. Like when my wife stepped up here and prayed, it was the real deal. Come on. And she was releasing her heart and she was changing the atmosphere. And she was, you know, releasing who she was in the moment. And, and, and that's, I'm telling you, there's even quantum physics proves that your heart carries so much, so much electromagnetic energy that it can shift the environment of a whole room. You know that, that on 9-11, they have, a, they have a satellite that goes around the earth, and, uh, and they have a satellite that basically, it measures the electromagnetic fields on the earth for different reasons. Um, and on 9-11, uh, in 2001, they saw a huge spike, and they, at first they didn't know what it was. And it was all this electromagnetic energy, and they, they realized later on it was because of the event that happened on September 11, 2001 in New York, the tragic event, and it was because of all the people mourning and grieving over the loss. Like your heart can change the atmosphere. The same way that your heart and your relationship and your communion with God, it, it does things. Things move. Angels run. I mean, you know, uh, even when Chris was singing, began to sing about angels, I began to thank God for the angels that, that have been assigned to my life. You know, there's been times the Lord has shown me these huge angels about the size of the ceiling. I have three of them that big, and they're assigned. And you know what the Lord tells me they are? They're atmosphere-shifting angels. You know, I'm telling you guys that there, there's something that is supernatural about being a people of prayer and grabbing a hold of the heart of God, but also being real about our prayers and letting it flow out of our hearts. And so James 5.16, most of you are familiar with this passage. It says, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, that's beautiful. Let me just touch on that for a minute because it's important that we understand the transparency that is the, the foundation of effective prayer. Hello. Transparency is the foundation of of good prayers, of real prayers, of prayers that change us and change things. Prayer changes everything. Prayer doesn't just change things or change us. It changes everything. Prayer does things. And so confess your sins to one another. Like be real. You know, if you sin against one another, make things right. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 18 that if two or more are in harmony, symphony, that I'm there in the midst. The presence of God increases, manifests when our hearts are really connected. This is, this is the type of verse that uh, John Wesley, this is, this is what started and is accredited to the second great awakening in the Methodist church that started out with people getting together, confessing their sins, being real, and revival broke out. Come on, somebody. Getting together, taking communion, being real, and praying and worshiping God to a place where he's an Anglican priest. They didn't take away his, uh, his priesthood, but his ordination, but he wasn't allowed to preach in churches, so he'd preach outside the churches. Come on, somebody. But God used that. Now look at this second part of this verse here. Check it out. In closing, it says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, uh, you could read in a couple different versions, and it's a little different, but... In the New American Standard, I like, it's one of the closest to the original. 
And it, it's a play on words. He actually uses the same words. The, the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It's almost like he uses the same word, and the word is energeos in the Greek. And he, he's almost saying this, like passionate prayer produces passionate results. Or, or let me put it this way. Powerful prayers produce powerful results. Now, the power of your prayer is not the length of your prayer, but the posturing of your heart. So now I could also say it this way that, I mean, this makes sense, right? If the passive prayers produce, it's one plus one equals two, guys. I mean, come on, help me out here. Passive prayers produce what kind of results? Passive results. I'm telling you, a people of prayer, the people that, that I love what uh, William Seymour said. He talked about the spirit of prayer. He also said the spirit of repentance. But I want you to understand Azusa Street was all birthed out of prayer. And there's a prophetic word from Smith Wigglesworth about a, a new type of move that's going to be greater than Azusa Street. Like the, we're on the cusp of seeing that wave. I believe it, man. And I'm telling you, God's looking for a people of prayer. It doesn't mean we have to pray 24-7 because we got to eat and love our kids and go to school and go to work. Amen? But we can live a life of communion and union with God. And when we come together and pray, it's just more powerful. And it doesn't have to be these long, drawn-out prayer meetings. That's why I love Burn 15. I'd rather have 15 minutes of powerful, passionate prayer than three hours of long, boring prayers where i got to pretend like I'm awake and fall asleep. Amen? Can I just be real with you? And I don't want to bore you with my prayers or my preaching or anything for that matter. I want to, I want to like just, I want to see God really develop this thing in our corporate body that we would be a people of prayer and, and realize that passionate prayers and powerful prayers produce, produce passionate and powerful results. Being the people of prayer, catching the fire. So William Seymour said this, that, that the spirit of revival is measured by the spirit of repentance. Well, let me put it this way. The, the revival and awakening that I believe God is, is unleashing if we'd open our hearts to it. Because I don't see revival as something we have to attain if we pray longer. We don't have to fast and pray and do all these tricks for God. We just open our hearts. See, the, the wind of heaven's always blowing. When you open your heart, it's like the sail of a ship. <sighs> We're going somewhere. That's revival. We can become revival. Smith Wigglesworth said, when God's not moving, I'll move him. That's crazy, man. William Booth said, I am a move of God. Because they realize the authority that we're called to reign with Him. We're called to be, we're co-fellowshipping with God. We're partners with God. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1. Paul said it that way. We're partners with God in this thing. And that's part of prayer, this relationship. We carry Things get done in the earth. But it's not who's praying, it's who we're praying to. So William Seymour said the, the measure of the spirit of revival is measured by the spirit of repentance. Let me say this way. The awakening and revival that God's unloading and, and releasing right now in our church and our city is going to be measured by those that will just catch this fire of prayer. We'll just open our hearts to the spirit of prayer. I want us to pray right now. Would you just dim the lights? And I want us to close. And I want us to open our hearts with that verse in mind that passionate prayers produce passionate results. The Greek word is energeos. 
it's 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 what the ancient Eastern Church calls divine energy. I mean, it's like the divine nature of God. It's the grace of God. It's the very fragrance of Jesus, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, just smearing all over us on our hearts and overflowing. It's the nature of of God. It's the Holy Spirit teaching us to pray. It's the Holy Spirit, Romans 8, 26, helping us pray when we don't know how to pray. Are you thankful for your prayer language? Are you thankful that the Spirit of God helps us and teaches us to pray? Listen, I know I have a fire and a spirit of prayer in and on my life, and I want to give it to you right now. I want to just release it to you right now. I'm going to dismiss in just a moment, but I I, I want to also do an altar call, and I want to pray over people. I want to release fire. I want to release the fire of prayer. I wasn't planning on doing that, but I really feel like the Lord wants me to just impart. Lift up your hands and just pray this with me before we dismiss you. Say, Papa, Daddy God, thank you for giving me a new heart. And I can pray from my heart. I thank you for the fire and the passion and the spirit of prayer being imparted to me right now. All right, now, now since you just got it, let's take it up a notch and be a little bit more passionate. <laughs> Say, Papa God, I receive this new fire. Fan the flame. Pour lighter fluid of the Holy Spirit on the flame of prayer in my life prayer changes everything I want to be a person of prayer I want to be a church that prays we want to be a church that prays now just receive it right now come on if you want to pray in your spirit language softly pray if you want to pray out in English say yes God begin to just pray say God thank you for what you're doing Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing. We're stepping into a season of prayer. I believe prophetically that we will begin to unite in heart to pray in our homes, in our workplaces, in the church buildings, in Starbucks, on school campuses. And we'll see an awakening. We'll see prodigals come home. So, Father, we thank you for it. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Would you seal it with praise? Come on.